You're listening to the weekly teaching podcast of Willamette Christian Church in Westland, Oregon. We hope that what you hear today inspires you to laugh, question, think, and grow. If you'd like to connect with us even further, hit us up online at willamette.cc or shoot us a direct message on Instagram or Facebook. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy this week's episode. Good to see you all. I'm so glad that you are joining us as we kick off the new year. If we haven't met, my name is Brian. I'm the lead pastor here. And yeah, it's just this opportunity to take a fresh step, a step forward. And we're going to kick off a little tiny two-week series today that we're calling Dream because there's a lot of dreaming going on, a lot of goal setting, a lot of resolutions, a lot of things. And those things are not bad. Don't worry. Uh, We're not going to hate on those types of things. But I think we can all agree that we need to dream the right way. If we dream the wrong way, we can really do some damage or go in the wrong direction. And the other thing about dreaming and kind of setting your target and your trajectory for life or for a year is that if you're going to follow Jesus, and I think most of you would agree with me on this, uh, it might surprise some of you, but when you follow Jesus, uh, God invites you to dream differently than kind of societal norms, to, to just kind of dream about yourself and dream about your life. And so what does it mean for us to, to lean into what God has for us in this year? I think this is going to be really helpful. Uh, this week, we're going to be talking about kind of aspirations, uh, getting our trajectory right. And then next week, we're going to talk about what it means to dream in the context of community. But as you read the scriptures, I I think you've probably seen this or even on our wall in the lobby, we see that God is a God of new beginnings. The scriptures say that his mercies are new every morning. Our wall in the lobby says it's a new day. It's this hope that we have that no matter where we've come from, no matter what regret we have, no matter what kind of shame we have, that God wants to give us a dream for our lives, a dream for our world. And the thing is, is that we just want to align with him and get his, uh, the, our perspective right when it comes to these dreams. I, I was thinking about this year and, you know, goal setting, and some of you are all into it. Jen has like this, this like customized planner thingamajigger, you know, like it's like, uh, she, it's all like literally, I mean, some of you customize your cars, Jen customizes her planner, okay? Like it is, it is tricked out, okay? It is awesome. I'm not allowed to touch it. I can't open it. I just have to go, oh, isn't that special? Uh, you know, it's just got to keep it from a distance. And again, that's all good. I don't, I don't do that. Um, but, but we all kind of have our different things. But I was reading a leadership executive that was kind of looking at our society and our culture across many different platforms and kind of giving themes to the past uh, few years, starting with the pandemic in 2020. And he described it this way. 2020 was a year of crisis 2021 was a year of adaptation, and 2022 was a year of transition. Now, again, depending on your perspective or what your actual life was like, but as a society, I think we can all agree with that to some degree. And then he goes on to say that 2023 will be a year when we can all say the old is gone and the new is here. Now, Again, this is one person's opinion. This isn't Bible. This isn't like God shouting this out to us. And depending on your perspective, um, you can be a little like, I don't know. I, I'm a little snake bitten from everything that's happened before to be like, okay, this is now the new normal. But uh, depending on your, your perspective or where you're at in your life right now, this can be exciting. 
This can also be a little unnerving, again, depending on your situation. But what we do know, regardless of the year, what we do know is that God is a God throughout scriptures that reveals himself to us of wanting to take us in a direction. Even if we've uh, kind of crawled out from where we are, even if we're running our own race, God is calling us to follow him in a very specific way. And he reveals this again throughout scripture. And he invites us to capture this dream that he has for us. But again, don't forget this. If you're going to dream for your life, for your family, if you're going to make plans on your calendar, if you're going to uh, set some, some dreamy things for the trajectory of your life, know this. If you're going to follow Jesus, all of those plans and all of those uh, thoughts and, and ideas need to be submitted to the ultimate plan that God is inviting us to. And God did this for the people in the Old Testament. We see this in the new church or in the early church in the book of Acts. But we see this time and time again where God calls the people and says, hey, I've got a plan for you. And we see this very clearly in Isaiah chapter 43, verses 16 through 19, where God speaks to a people and says, come on, I got something for you. And this is what he says. He says, I am the Lord who opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all of its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath the waves and they drowned their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candle wick. But forget all that. It's nothing compared to what I am going to do for I am about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. So the context of the scripture is that God's saying, listen, I rescued you once. I, I came to your rescue. I, I brought you out from where you were into a new place. And then these people kind of did their own thing. They kind of meandered off, wandered off. They turned from God, did things their own way. And God comes back to them and says, just like I loved you before, I still love you. Just like I rescued you before, I'll rescue you again. Uh, he says, I'm not done with you. I'm able to make a pathway in the wilderness. I'm able to make a, a river where there's only a desert. And I don't know about you, but this should bring great hope to your life and to my life and to humanity because God is saying, I haven't given up on you and I am able to do things that people are unable to do. God's saying, I can make a way where there is no way, where, where there's a wilderness there's no path. There's no, nowhere for me to go. He says, I can make a pathway. He says, where, where, there's, where there's just a wasteland, some versions say a desert. He's like, I can make rivers. And again, on paper, rivers and deserts don't go together. And God's like, right, but I can do those types of things. And you may be looking at your life and you're like, hope and this life does not go together. Like, I'm just like, I'll believe in God and stuff and I'll just try to make it. But like, Brian, dreaming isn't for me. And God says, actually, dreaming is for you. That God is not through with us, that he wants to carry us. For The, the scriptures talk about going from glory to glory to continue on. So whether you've lost hope and you're just kind of like, I don't know if there is hope, or, or maybe you're like, I've arrived. Like, Brian, this is good for this person behind me that really needs to dream again, but I've got this. Uh, guess what? God's inviting all of us to continue on a journey. That's why you don't need Jesus or they don't need Jesus, but we just all need Jesus. We're all in this together. And he's not just saying that he can do it. To, specifically to these people, he's not saying that he can. Look at what he says. He says, I will do it. 
I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the wasteland. This is why we have hope. This is why we can dream even if our life is dreary. This is why God invites us to see something in the future that God wants to bring us into. And the good news about the scriptures is that this is historical. Because we've all been around people who have made empty promises, right? Like I've already made some empty promises to myself about my eating habits in 2023, right? Like, like I promised to myself and then I broke them, right? Like that's okay. His mercies are new every morning. It's a new day. Uh, I'll just keep, keep, keep on keeping on. But the good news about God, listen, is that this was spoken to a specific group of people about a specific thing. And so we can look back and go, did he actually do it? He was talking to people captive in Babylon. And he says, I'm going to bring you out of this. I'm going to restore this to you. And guess what? He did do it. So we can look back and we have a God that we can trust because God fulfills his promises. Now, we can't just take a promise to a people and apply it to ourselves because you need to know this about scripture. And people do this really, not purposefully, but they do it improperly. They take a verse and they just hold on to it as if it was written to them. Listen, this is important when you read the Bible. When we read the scriptures, like Isaiah chapter 43, Isaiah chapter 43 was not written to us. It was written to a specific people in a specific time. So you don't get to just go, well, that's my verse. I'm just, this is for me. God wrote this to me. No, no, he didn't write it to you, but check this out. This is good news. It is for us. It's for us in the context that we can learn about God. We can learn about the character of God. We can learn about what God wants to do in our lives. But you can't just take things and go, uh, this is mine. I'm just going to hold on to it. So what we have to do is go, okay, what's the context of what God's wanting to do in our lives? Because this was specifically about slavery, specifically about bondage, specifically about being under the oppression of another nation. And so we go, okay, God, what does this mean in 2023 for my life? What does it mean for us to dream the dream that God has for us? So if we're going to dream the right way, if we're going to dream differently than what the rest of society is doing, we need to have not God-sized dreams. A lot of people are like, oh, you need to have BHAGs. Have you ever heard of that? Big, hairy, audacious goals. There's nothing wrong with that. I hope that you have some BHAGs in your life. You're like, oh, I think you just offended me. No, no, no. BHAG, big, hairy, audacious goals. Uh, goals. Uh, it's not having God-sized dreams as much as we need to have God-centered dreams. As long as we are keeping God at the center, they will always be God-sized. But you can have a God-sized dream and it may not be a God-centered dream. So what I want to do today, very simply, is I want to give us three descriptions. If we're dreaming differently, that, that, that our dreams will align with God-centered dreams. And the three uh, God-centered dreams will always be this way. God-centered dreams will always include you. God-centered dreams will always be beyond you. We're going to spend the most amount of time on that one today. And the third thing we're going to look at is God-centered dreams will always challenge you. Very different to dream God's way rather than our way. But let's start with the first one. God-centered dreams will always include you. Again, this is just good news. I, I hope if you're not smiling on the outside, you'll smile on the inside because this is just wonderful news about God and us that God actually wants to include you, that God actually cares about you 
and me. Because all throughout the scriptures, again, it's not just one verse, all throughout the scriptures, we see this incredible, hard to fathom reality of God's desire to include us. That God's like, I see you, I want to see you, I want to know your life. The scriptures say, uh, God knows the number of hairs on our head. Like God sees us, wants to include us. Uh, we did a series a while back about David, uh, all throughout kind of the, uh, um, about 18 weeks of going through and learning about David. And we kind of think of David as the hero. And during that series, we were like, David, David had some issues. And David knew he had issues. And David couldn't believe that God kept including him in the future plans. Like, I must have canceled myself out by now. And I think David speaks well for the rest of us in Psalm chapter 8 when he wrote this. He says this, but why are people even important to you? Why do you take care of human beings? You made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. David's like, I'm looking at my life and I have disqualified myself. God, you should just hang out, you know, in heaven. You, you and your angels, we are just a piece of work. Why are you so mindful of us? There's a song by Israel Houghton that, that uh, starts off, who am I that you are mindful of me? Who am I? And God's like, I know. I just love you. I am for you. I created you. I didn't want to be God without you. So the good news for you and I is no matter who you are, Brian, I'm I barely got to church today. I didn't even want to go to church. The only reason why I'm here is because they brought me or she brought me or he brought me. Or, blah, uh, because blah, ah, Guess what? God's like, I know, but you're here and I've got plans. I mean, he probably talks way better than that. But like, like you're here and God has a plan for you. In Isaiah chapter 43, God was for them. God has something for you. That's why in Matthew 28, we quote this scripture all the time. And the reason why we quote it all the time is because it's so refreshing to know that God actually wants us. This is Jesus in Matthew uh, chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Come to me all. Who? Every single one of us. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God's invitation is for all of us. His dreams, God-centered dreams will always include you. Some of you are disqualifying yourself, or, or you're at an age of life where you're like, you know what? I'm just, I'm just holding on now. I don't really have that much to look forward to. I just sit at home, scroll through Facebook and Instagram and come to church on Sundays. You, you've lowered, lowered the bar for your life. But there's no greater joy that I have as a pastor than to see people who get that revelation that God's not done with them. That God has something for them, not just their spouse. That God has something for them in the age and stage that they're in, no matter what age and stage you're in. If you have a God-centered dream, it won't be like, well, it's for my kids. I just care about my kids. I just want something for my kids. That's great. God has something for your kids, but God has something for you too. And that's why it's important for you to know, and this is kind of the theme of, our, of this little series, the God who led you here won't leave you here. The God that brought you to this point, he's not done with you. He, he's not like, well, you know, you, you got saved. You, you believe in Jesus now. You're kind of on your own. 
I heard someone, it was kind of a, a, a comedian, Christian comedian type guy, and he was kind of making fun of the church, kind of making fun of me, kind of making fun of you. Uh, and and um, it was a little little disturbing, but I'm going to bring you into this for a minute. He goes, you know the, the, um, the, the armor of God? If you've been in church long, if you've read that scripture, you know you have the helmet of, of salvation, you got the breastplate of righteousness, you got the sword. Of, you know, you know the, the scriptures talk about that? He goes, uh, there's two many Christian streakers in the world today. He's like, they got the helmet of salvation on and that's it. You know, they're just like, I'm saved. And they don't got anything else. And they're just living their life. I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved. But there's nothing good about them. They're not doing anything. I know. I know. You're mine. But like, I, I, I look, I heard that. And I'm like, he's not wrong, right? That they're like, well, I got saved, so I guess I'm done. No, no, no. The God who led you here won't leave you here. He has plans and purposes for you. I don't know if I'm going to say that to the 1045 group. Okay, just, that's just for the nine. <laughs> Note to self, wool and the helmet thing. Okay, got it, got it. But here's, here's the reality. Some people are looking around and they're like, I think God left me behind. Because if God really loved me, I wouldn't be here. If, if, he, if he really loved me, I wouldn't have this job. If he really loved me, I wouldn't have this illness. If he really loved me, I wouldn't have this disability. If he really loved me, I wouldn't have these regrets. And I just want you to know that God sees you right where you are, and he has a plan and a purpose, and he is able to make a river in a desert. He is able to make a path in the wilderness. God-centered dreams will always include you. Don't exclude yourself when God hasn't. Now, what we need to know is that God does want to include you, but we can't stop there. Too many churches, too many Christians, too many pastors, too much Christian ease is all about what God wants to do for you. And it's true. That's why we just started this message with that reality. You can't forget it. It just doesn't end with you. But, but Christian literature, self-help, Christian living, uh, we, we market the church, the, the Christian world, the American church markets because it sells to just let people focus on themselves. When you sat down with your New Year's goals, my guess is it had everything to do with you because they're your goals. It's your life. It's your dreams. And again, that's not wrong, but it's so limited and it's so incomplete because if you have a God-sized dream, it will always include you. But number two, it will always be beyond you. It will never be just about you. God absolutely wants to include you, but track with me. And don't be offended when I say this. This is good news. He, he wants to include you, but it's not all about you. Your dreams for your family and your kids and, and, and your life and, and your trajectory should be larger than you. Larger than your family. Larger than, than, than what, what do we want to do? Where do we want to travel this year? What do we want to do? It's all about us. And God is saying, if it's God-centered, it, it will always be larger than just your life. And, and the reason why this is like such a shock for us and the reason why so much Christian literature is marketing to us is because it's the societal norm. It's why even though Oprah's been kind of, you know, her day is, is gone, but, but like we still remember like Oprah's favorite things. And she's like, you get a car, you get a car, you get a car. And people are like, 
this. But if it was like, they get a car, they get a car, they get a car. No, right? Like, like the joy was people in the sitting there were like, I got a ticket. And it wasn't like I got a ticket to Oprah's favorite things to see what everyone else would get. They'd be like, what am I going to get? I got, I got the neck massager. I got this. I got, we get it. And, and that's normal. We are excited when things involve us. Me, 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 and friends track with me here. And I think you agree with me. We live in a society saturated with self. That's why there's self-help, self-improvement, self-actualization, self-preservation. And again, the world is marketing to this because we gobble it up. We are consumed with ourselves. But if you follow Jesus, you will dream differently. The normal dream is to sit down and go, where would we like to travel? What, what, what would we like to do? What, what, what would we like to do to the house? What would we like to do with the kids? What would we, what would we, what would we? And we just live in this narrow space and God's saying, there is so much more that I want you to dream about. It's interesting when we talk about Christianity and how so much preaching and messaging and book reading is all about ourselves, and yet Jesus was really clear. He says this, Matthew 16, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. He's like, just know this, straight up. I'm not gonna pretend. It's not all about you. It includes you, and it's a beautiful plan. It's rivers in the desert. It's a way in the wasteland. But the way forward is actually less of you and more of what God has for us to take up their cross and follow me. This is not popular preaching. You, you will not sell a lot of books if you're like five steps to self-denial. <laughs> yes, oh, I can't wait to read that. <laughs> no. Five steps to living your best life, uh-huh. Three steps to, to being all that God created you to be. Uh-huh. And again, that's not bad. It's just, come on, somebody. It's so narrow. My prayer for this church and for us as a people is that we would go, oh, thank God that he wants to include me. But Lord, let it not be all about me. I was explaining this to Jen. I passed my sermons through her, you know, and a lot of things get filtered out. I didn't pass that helmet of salvation by her, just so you know. Uh, didn't pass it by. Didn't even ask her about it. Uh, but, but I... <laughs> that's true, isn't it? It's true. <laughs> Oopsies. Uh, hey, cowbell, cowbell. Okay. I love it. I love it. Welcome to Willamette, everybody. Welcome to Willamette. I'll be here all week. Uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, yeah. I was passing this by her, and I was trying to, like, not be like, it's not about you. I was trying to be really kind, and, like, I'm like, I, well, I want, no, it does include us, but it's not about, and she's like, Brian, I feel like you're, like, you're, like, not saying it like you want to say it, like you're afraid you're going to offend somebody. I'm like, well, well you know, uh, and she's like, what would you say? to me or to us, to yourself, if you said it unfiltered the way that it is so that we could like hold on to it. Here's what I said. Most of us are living our lives for ourselves. We're just attaching a belief in God to it. 
We're still making our plans. We're still doing our thing. We're still, we're just, we're making our plans. And we happen to believe in God. Rather than, God, what do you want to do with my calendar? How would I live? What, what would we spend our money on? God, what, what would it mean for our kids to not just be all about them or just to, to just continue? Like, what, what, what is your dream for us versus like, no, I have dreams and I happen to believe in God too. And the reason why I decided to just say it is because the sooner we can admit it, the sooner we can do something about it. And in Isaiah, God's dream was for a people, not just for an individual person. God's like, I have a dream for West Lynn. I have a dream for South Portland. I have a dream that I want to do in this community. It is not just about you. Will you jump onto the dream that I have for an entire people, not just for you as a specific person? God's inviting us into this to, to go, whoa, that's bigger than my life. That's bigger than my family. It's bigger than my calendar. What would it mean for me to adjust to God's dream for an entire people? And again, I think you, uh, this is me too. Like I, this is what we do. We make our own plans. And if you made a dream list portfolio, I bet I can guess a few of the themes because these, these would be my themes. Here, here's a dream list, uh, personal dream portfolio. It would include things about my health. It would include things about my wealth. It would include things about my relationships. And it would include things about my adventures. Like if I'm going to make a dream list, and some of you like have coaches and people and gurus and Instagram posts that are like, hey, just make a list. What would, it, what would, the, what would the best you health-wise look like? You, oh, write it down, write it down. What, what would it look like for you to take steps forward financially? What, what relationships, what would it be like? You know, what adventures do you need to go on to live your best life? Again, none of this is bad. But what we do is we're like, if only I could have this health, if only I could have this wealth, if only I could have these relationships, if only I could go on these adventures, and our dreams stay all about us. And it's normal, and it's celebrated, and it's even encouraged outside these walls. But if you're going to follow Jesus, you got to dream different. And watch this. you got to want to dream different. You got to let God get a hold of your heart and get a picture, get a vision, get a dream for a life that isn't just centered on you. Some of you have read the writings of, of Anne Rand and, and, and she has um, written like, like she, is, she is speaking for society about just being all about herself. And she's basically like, I'm done. I'm done living for other people. And this is celebrated. What I'm about to read to you, don't say amen when I'm done reading this quote. This is just a heads up ahead of time. And we may not say amen, we may not say this, but sometimes we dream like this. Check this out. I am done with the monster of we. The word of serfdom, of plunder, of miscry, falsehood, and shame. And now I see the face of God over the earth, this God whom men have sought since men came into being, this God who will grant them joy and peace and pride, this God, this one word, I. Whoa. And again, we might go, no way. That's not, that's not me. That's not us. Except when we look at our plans, when we think about how we think, it still comes back to this one word, I. 
But what God wants to do is God wants to remove this even idea out of our lives and give us something so much better because God has a dream for you that includes you but is beyond you. Even what he does in you, even the the work that God wants to do in you is actually for the benefit of others. If you love, if God wants to create a a, a larger uh, portion of love in your life, well, who are you loving, right? Yourself, others, God, it's for others. In fact, look at some of the things God points us towards for his dream. You have the fruit of the spirit. This is God's dream for your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Nowhere on here is retired by the age of 55. Nowhere on here is like to go to Tahiti at least three times in the next five years. Like it's not on there. Not because you shouldn't do it. There's nothing wrong with it. Just know this, that God has dreams for your life that are way beyond those types of things because even these things are for the benefit of the others. All throughout scripture, we see Jesus pursuing the least, the last, and the lost. That when we have a dream for our life, it should include the least, the last, and the lost. When we think about what are we doing with our calendar? What are we doing with our free time? What are we doing? Not that you can't go on vacation. Of course not. But if we don't have any dream, any vision to orient ourselves in the way that Jesus walked and what Jesus walked toward, we should go, God, I want to dream right. Jesus is specifically and constantly talking about gathering the church, the the early church in the book of Acts. It was was intentional. It was prioritized. There was this, this movement of God's people on the earth in a very organized way. And we can become so flippant like, oh, should we go to church? Should we not? I don't know. You know, I'll still love God whether I go or not. And we just become flippant. But God has a dream. God has a dream for the church to shine to be, be in the midst of darkness, not running away from it and not huddling up away from it, but to say, God, here's this gathering of people. Jesus is all about your neighbor. Does any dreams include what we're doing for those around us? This is different than living the life of what we normally do with our dreams. So my prayer is that you would say, God, I, I, want, I, want, to, I want to pray prayers. I want to make plans that are larger than me. And friends, the reason I'm talking about this today is because God got a hold of me in a very strange place. God got a hold of me saying goodnight to my girls and praying bedtime prayers with them. Because I sat down on one of my girls' bed. It could be either one of them because this was just normal. I said, okay, time for you to pray. And it was something like this. Dear Jesus, help me have a good night's sleep. Help me to have a good day at school tomorrow. Help me to have no bad dreams. And help me to be able to go to so-and-so's house. Amen. And that prayer was all about them. And I wasn't mad at them because guess who the parent is, right? Guess who taught them how to pray? Guess who encouraged? Guess who's leading their kids, right? And I was like, I am leading in a way that is making it normal for us to just think about ourselves. Nothing wrong with praying for yourself. God invites us to bring our prayers and petitions to him, but that we would enlarge our prayers. And so I told Eva and Ellie, I said, hey, I'm gonna do this too. I want us to start praying every time we pray, including something that has nothing to do with us specifically. Whether it's praying for your friends or the school or our city or or the government, whatever it is, praying for something beyond ourselves. 
Next week is Martin Luther King uh, weekend and as we celebrate. And what I love and what we love about MLK is that he had a dream for something beyond himself. We'll talk about that more next week. But God-centered dreams always include you. God-centered dreams are always beyond you. And finally, we'll wrap up today with God-centered dreams will always challenge you. They will always challenge you. Let's go back to Isaiah. It says this, I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. There's something where God says, I'm going to do it, but it's going to be in a certain direction. There is a pathway. In other words, it's not just this open field, just kind of go do what you want. There will be a challenge because pathways have boundaries. Rivers have borders. And there is this challenge to go, are we going to do it God's way on his path? Are we going to be in his his flow, his stream, or are we going to do it our way? And to, again, submit to God's ways is this challenge to surrender and say, God, you reign above it all. You are the king of kings. I want to follow your way. Jesus was really clear about this narrow path and, and it not just being this kind of case or Matthew chapter seven, Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. There's this understanding that, that God says, I have a way, but will you surrender your way to my way? There is a river and there is a river in a desert and you are invited into it and a river has that flow to it. You can jump in that canoe, is that how you, I don't know how you do it. However you do it, there is a flow and you can, you can go in the pathway of God and do it his way and there's refreshment, there's movement, there's momentum, but it's his way. Or you can say, oh, I'm gonna do it my way. But picture this canoe, not in the river. Picture it still in the desert. You're rowing on rocks. And you can do it that way if you want, but it is not God's way. It will be a challenge for you to go, God, not your way or not my way, but your way be done. I want to encourage you this year, friends, just the, to pray the most simple prayer as you think about your life, as you think about dreaming God-centered dreams. Just a, a four-word prayer that can literally change the trajectory of your life. And it's this simple prayer. Thy will be done. God, thy will be done. I want to follow your will. I want to follow your path. I want to be in the river. I don't want to be outside of it. I want not my will, not my dreams, not, not my will be done, not my dreams be done, but God, your will be done. I want to have God-centered dreams. I want to surrender those things that are much more attractive to the naked eye that are much more about me centered. I want to surrender those things and I want to let you do this good work in me. And then as you pray this prayer, you don't just pray it. Then you use that as a filter for the rest of your life. Some of these filters that look like this, when you open your calendar and you make plans, what are we going to do with our week? What are we going to do with our weekends? What are we going to do with our kids? What is God's will, not my will? What does it mean to, to surrender our calendar to the Lord? When you schedule, when you parent, if you're dating, God, your will be done. Not my will. I just need somebody. I just want somebody. I'll just settle for somebody. No, 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 God, your will be done. And you're relating, you're giving, you're saving, and you're spending. Not like, well, this is what I'm going to do because I'm a, an adult and I'll make the decisions. No, God, I want to surrender to your way. It's not about me. 
It's not about my kingdom. It's not about my financial portfolio. It's not about my, my, my. It's about God. What have you given to me? How can I follow you? Serving and leading and befriending. How am I serving? God, am I a part of your will? Am I, am I orienting my life? I would love for some of you who take vacations every year to just, just put it out there, just throw it out there, that rather than go to on a vacation uh, that you're used to going on, go on a missions trip with your family and your kids. To go, we're going to spend money and take time off of work, not to sit at the pool, although I'm all for the pool, and I'm going to Hawaii next week, and I won't apologize for it. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Like, it's all good. But it's too narrow if that's all that it is. It's too narrow. What would it mean for us to serve and to look at our life? I have a friend that him and his, his kids, he's got four kids, him and his wife and his kids, as a family, they go serve at Shepherd's Door every single week. Just one meal. It's not like, oh, our life is over because now we're living for God. It's not like that. It's better. There's something about the dream that God has for you that is more robust than the narrow life of doing whatever you want with all that you have. So I want to wrap up today with this simple close of Isaiah chapter 43 and this thought of God communicating his will. And it says this in verse 20. This is who God is. He says, I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen the people I formed for myself that they may proclaim my praise. God saying, I want something for you. I have something for you. I have a dream for your life to lead you forward so that you won't just stay where you're at. And it brings refreshing. There's water in the wilderness. There's streams in the wasteland. You would taste and see that the Lord is good. So as we wrap up today, I want to pray thy will be done. As we prepare for communion, in fact, if you want to take the elements that were handed to you as you walked in, in one way, taking communion is an act of allegiance. It is the gathering together and it's offered to any who believe in Jesus to say, when we come together, we're saying, Jesus, we rely on you and you alone. You are the Savior. You are the Son of God. It's through you that we are saved. It's through you that we find life. Jesus would say, I am the bread of life. And then he gave his body. And when he gathered disciples together, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, whenever you get, gather, take this, eat, and remember. When he handed out the bread, he said, this is my body given for you. Jesus came to give you the life that you can't find by focusing on yourself. So if you want to pull back this first layer and take this piece of bread, let's together remember that Jesus came to give us life through his death and resurrection. Let's partake of the bread. And we pull back the second layer with this wonderful reminder that our past may explain us, but it doesn't have to define us. This, this juice, it represents the blood that was given for us for the forgiveness of our sins. Christ's blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Your past, it may explain you, your past might be yesterday. It might have been this morning. It might have been just how you walked in. And you, there's a reason why you walked in the way you walked in. 
but it doesn't have to define you because he who the Son sets free is free indeed. So whatever you're holding on to, whatever guilt, whatever shame, whatever pain, come all who are weary because God has something better for us. Let's partake of the juice. And so now, God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you have a bigger vision for our life than just us in our life. I pray, God, that the aspirations that we have would include you, would be beyond us, and that we together would be the church that you planned and purposed for this day and this hour. Help us by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.